CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Thank goodness it is Friday, March 1st. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times studios on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Sun-Times Metro editor Rumana Hussein will join us. And we welcome our dear friend and director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, the one, the only, Sergio Mims. And now your host... Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Hello, everybody. Benjarovsky here. We're calling this We Can Do Better Friday. And here's why. So today is the day, everybody, where I have to do something that's very hard for me to do. Yes, yes, I must say something nice about... See how hard it is for me to do? I can't even say his name. I'm going to say something nice Come about... Come on. Let's do it. Come on. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to say something nice about David Brooks. David Brooks, of course, if you remember, is a New York Times columnist who's a little to the right of center, you would say, and yet manages to always write these embarrassing suck-up columns about politicians like Rahm Emanuel and Chris Christie. And wait a minute. I was going to say something nice about David Brooks. Oh, no. All right. Here we go. David Brooks wrote a column today just like the one S.E. Cup wrote yesterday, examining Democratic reactions of love for Michael Cohen in the wake of Cohen's testimony to Congress yesterday. Okay, and Brooks, like Cup, raises a very important point, and I'm giving him a shout-out. How about that, D, all right? Look at you. Yeah, I know. It's just kind of the way I'm feeling very you know, benevolent <laughs> today. All right. Is the love that Democrats have for Michael Cohen legit? All right? In other words, are we, the Democrats, articulating a principled opposition to the foul deeds of Donald Trump that include extortion, bullying, lying, bigotry, racism, and fraud, all of which were exposed by Michael Cohen in his testimony? Are we merely using these foul deeds of Donald Trump as articulated by Michael Cohen as weapons in a larger political game to hammer at Trump in the hopes of defeating him in 2020. Not that there's anything wrong with defeating him in 2020. Just asking, folks. All right? And that brings me to the question raised by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She asked it of Cohen uh, in yesterday's hearing, or maybe it was two days ago. It was one of the highlights, in my humble opinion, of the hearings. Follow me in this. Zeroing in on efforts by Trump to reduce his local New York property tax Ocasio-Cortez got Cohen to admit, and I'll read you the exact admission. Yes, you deflate the value of the asset, and then you put in a request to the tax department for a deduction. In other words, Ocasio-Cortez got Cohen to admit that Donald Trump had been playing the property tax game in New York City for years and years and years, where he got his property tax lawyers to get the city of New York to reduce the value of his building so he paid less in taxes. We were shocked. We were outraged when this came out. But I have to tell you this, folks. That same game is played right here in the Democratic city 
of Chicago. And it's played by Donald Trump as well. As you know, if you read the Sun-Times, Donald Trump hired Alderman Ed Burke as his property tax lawyer. And Burke went before assessor Joseph Berrios to essentially deflate the value of Trump Towers, a very valuable asset, to put it mildly. Essentially, Burke allowed Burke's appeal allowed Berrios to lower the taxes Trump pays in property taxes and raise the amount you pay because the less Trump pays, the more everybody else pays to compensate. Is this tactic legal? Yes, it is. But that doesn't make it right. And how, what is Chicago's reaction to the games that Trump and Burke and Berrios played? Well, just a couple of days ago, the good voters of the 14th Ward reelected Ed Burke, indictment and all, and property tax attorney for Trump and all as their alderman. Apparently, they worship his ability to get their garbage collected. <laughs> Chicago, we can do better. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here. She's the Metro editor of the Chicago Sun-Times. We're going to be doing all the news we can review, see what's on Ramana's mind. I see this. We're going to be talking about, you know, we're still a weekend. We could still talk about the Oscars. We could talk about the mayor's race. We could talk about the aldermanic races. We could talk about R. Kelly. We could talk about Michael Cohen. I may ask her about Lynn Patton's performance uh, at the hearing on Wednesday. We haven't really talked about that, D. A lot to talk about, Romana's review, the week in review. And then, of course, at 2 o'clock, as uh, Dennis say, Sergio Mims will be in the studio, a Black Harvest Film Festival director. Cannot wait to pick his brains about what went down with Michael Cohen. Uh, I know he has a lot of uh, feelings, strong feelings, about how um, uh, Lynn Patton was used uh, at the hearing. Also get Sergio's thoughts on the, on the uh, Oscars and his thoughts on the mayor's race and uh, everything else in the universe because Sergio always has a lot to say. In other words, it'll be politics, 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 and politics on the Ben Jarofsky Show today. But before we do any of that, time has come for Dennis to give us the news. All right, everybody. It's the middle of the final day of the week. Bring it weekend. Let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon. And we're going to spend today's national news portion of our program looking away from that blinding, oddly orange, but in some places also very pale light, often referred to as President Donald Trump. Because, Ben, we have a new Democratic nominee for president in 2020. That's right. Jay Inslee is his name. He's 68 years old. And apparently climate change will be his game. He's the Democratic Washington state governor, and he's stepping inside of what has now become a crowded ring of contenders to run against Trump in 2020. He made his announcement via online video. That's what you do nowadays, by the way. Uh, and the now presidential hopeful intends on making combating climate change the central rationale of his campaign. We're going to go ahead and play that video from Jay Inslee. Jay, take it away. What do you have to say about climate change? A lot. We have got to stop global warming. Everyone in this country knows climate is changing. Reduce carbon pollution. New energy future. Climate change. Climate change. We should be dealing with climate change. Climate change. Climate change. We need to defeat climate change. That's what I believe. We're the first generation to feel the sting of climate change. And we're the last that can do something about it. We went to the moon and created technologies that have changed the world. Our country's next mission must be to rise up to the most urgent challenge of our time, defeating climate change. This crisis isn't just a chart or graph anymore. 
the impacts are being felt everywhere. We have an opportunity to transform our economy, run on 100% clean energy that will bring millions of good paying jobs to every community across America, create a more just future for everyone. I'm Jay Inslee and I'm running for president because I'm the only candidate who will make defeating climate change our nation's number one priority. We can do this. Join our movement. This is our moment. A lot of voices coming out of the right. blue. Hey, where are all those people? Huh? Whose moment? Yeah, no. You know, it's starting to remind me, the uh, Democratic primary uh, for president is sort of reminding me of the the past mayoral election where yeah. we had 14 people running for mayor and each one had carved out uh, their little turf, their little territory, their little path to victory. That's the key, folks. Path to victory. Everybody's figuring out, what do I have to do to get just enough votes to win? So in the case of Chicago's mayor to make it to the runoff, in the case of the uh, uh, Democratic primary to be the presidential nominee. And so obviously, uh, Jay Inslee, the 68-year-old Democratic governor of the state of Washington, has figured that his dedication, his devotion to clean energy energy goals uh, will be his path to victory, that he can convince somehow or other every single Democratic voter who really cares passionately about this cause, that it's their number one concern, that they will vote for him. If I had to put money in Vegas, D, I would say it's probably not going to work. It's uh, You're asking people a lot to, you know, you're asking a lot of people to suddenly put Jay Inslee, someone they probably never heard of before, uh, at the top of their list, uh, uh, ahead of a lot of people that like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, well-known candidates, uh, Kamala Harris, who've already been running, who have a high uh, media profile. Uh, but you know what? Hey, it's 68 years old. The guy's a politician. It's probably been his dream since he was a little boy to be president of the United States. This is his chance. The cause is an important one. He supports the Green New Deal. Now, see, we don't even know how strong the support for the Green New Deal in the Democratic Party is. The Green New Deal, of course, is proposals, just sort of vague proposals that are put forth by some of the new, uh, more liberal uh, Democratic Congress people in Washington. And so he is sort of like trying to make himself the, you know, the leader of that movement. And we don't even know how strong the commitment of the Democrats, the Democratic Party is to the Green New Deal, but we already have a candidate who's sort of championing it and using that uh, as his primary cause, as his path to a victory. So it'll be interesting to see. If I had to put money on it, I'd say he would not emerge as the candidate. It's just too many things going against him. Uh, his lack of name recognition, the fact he's from Washington, which is on one the far side of the country from, you know, like the media center and the East Coast. And uh, his age, 68. I But he may use the run uh, to gain prominence. And perhaps if the Democrats take control of uh, the uh, the White House in 2020, the next president will appoint him to a high-ranking position where he can uh, implement some of his uh, uh, environmental um, programs for uh, clean energy. So that's my take on Jay Inslee. Inslee is slated to hold a news conference in Seattle at a solar panel installer facility wait, wait, wait. for the big announcement. Hey, I'm telling well, you. He's, uh, yeah. he's working that angle. Oh, and I must say, he sounds a little like Super Dave Osborne, a.k.a. the late great Bob Einstein. I did. <laughs> yeah, a little moment there for Bob <laughs> Einstein. Ten trivia points. Who's his brother?
Oh, uh, Albert Brooks. Very good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually knew that one. Yeah, for good. once, I knew something out. Uh, could we have a prize for Dennis or something, like a blue Mustang? <laughs> All right, so, Ben, let's get the house in order here with the announcement of Jay Inley. Let's run through this long, long list of Democratic mm. candidates we now have running in the 2020 POTUS battle. We now have 11. Let's find out who they are. <laughs> 2020 Democratic <laughs> presidential candidates. Uh, all Wait, right. Where'd you get that music? I just found it in the that, library that, here sometimes. That, that sounds like I'm going way back now. Uh, a song by the Moody Blues. Conquistador, your oh, stallion okay. stands. Hang tight, millennials. All right, sorry about that. All right so first up, we have 11, like I said. All right, yeah. first up, it's the man looking for his Rocky Two moment, Mr. $27 himself, Vermont Senator uh, Bernie Sanders. Who will be in Chicago this Sunday giving a speech at uh, Navy Pier. Oh, really? Yeah, Bernie Sanders has raised, how much money has he raised already? Quite a bit, I, I imagine. $10 million or something. The America loves really him some good. Bernie. Yeah. He's looking for that Rocky II moment, like yeah. I said. We got California Senator Kamala Harris. Yeah, Kamala Harris. She raised a lot of money. She's a high profile. Uh, and um, she raised about $8 million, I want to say. So those two, you know, they're, you, those two are sort of at the top of the list, my humble opinion, of uh, strong prospects. Up next, it's uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, now Elizabeth Warren, of course, trying to uh, carve out the left side of the Democratic Party. The Bernie Sanders, she's like a rival with Bernie. Interesting, I saw Bernie gave an interview with Lynn Sweet today in the Sun-Times where he said he's not going to go negative. He's just going to deal with the issues. So he's not going to try to hammer away at Elizabeth Warren, unlike our uh, mayoral candidates here in Chicago. We'll see how long uh, that pledge lasts, by the way. Up next, another senator from New Jersey. It's Cory Booker. Oh, Cory Booker, yeah. Now, Cory Booker's interesting. Cory Booker started as one of these pro-charter school, uh, new Dems, Dems types, you know, like an Artie Duncan Democrat or a Barack Obama Democrat. And now charter schools are really unpopular uh, with the rank and file of the Democratic Party these days. And uh, they're seen as privatizing public education and allowing corporations to take control of our public schools. And they're anti-teachers. And the teachers are making a, like a strong statement on their behalf to get more money, um, better benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Corey has moved like left away from that issue, if you know what I'm saying. He's like, moving away uh, for charter school from the charter school movement and becoming more of an advocate for teachers. Everybody's trying to, to keep up with the changing tides here uh, in the Democratic primary. Our next 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Former HUD Secretary Julian Castro. Yeah, Julian Castro. Obviously, I believe Julian Castro is from San Antonio, Texas, as is, I just want to say, Kendra, who is our uh, in-office editor today. Miles had to take up. Miles Porter, who was here doing the job the last two days, has a baseball game today. So Kendra's sitting in. Uh, she is a uh, native of San Antonio, Texas, as is uh, Congressman Castro. Welcome to the show, Kendra. I'm, I'm not going to require you to, to give a long dissertation on uh, Castro, though Kendra is, by the way, studying film at Columbia, so I may ask her to weigh in on some of the uh, uh, Oscar discussion when Sergio and Ramada are in the studio anyway. But uh, yes, Castro, obviously very young and is uh, going to try to carve out his niche, his path to victory, try to cap, uh, capitalize on the Hispanic vote, uh, particularly in the southwest uh, portions of the country. Uh, doubt he will make it. Uh, he, I don't think he has the money or the name recognition, but he can make, position himself perhaps to be somebody's vice presidential candidate. So there you have that. If you just tuned in, hey, welcome to the Ben Jaroski Show. I'm Dennis. That's Ben. And the we, way, what's that? No phone. No phone. Yeah, no by the way, no, <laughs> no phone. phone. He's winging it, guys. <laughs> no phone. But if you just tuned in, we're going over the... 
conquistador, your stallion Democratic presidential candidate. The 2020 Oh, presidential. I thought it was Moody Blues' greatest hits. No, Hank Type Millennials. Uh, you, first, uh, rocking it out with the Moody Blues. <laughs> All right, you do not want millennials <laughs> listening today, do you, buddy? All right, we just went over Julian Castro. Up next, let us not forget, well, because it's pretty easy to, Maryland Representative John Delaney. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, I don't know really much about John Delaney. I'm going to study up on him. I thought you were, isn't there a, a comic named John Mulaney? Yeah. Yeah, I think that guy's really funny. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, sure what he wants when you think of his name. Uh, <laughs> All right, up next, it's New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kristen Gillibrand was, of course, replaced. Kirsten, sorry. Yeah. Uh, she uh, uh, replaced uh, uh, Hillary Clinton when Hillary Clinton uh, st- uh, left the um, Senate in New York. And uh, she, of course, uh, re- uh, elevated her uh, pro- prominence, her presence, uh, her name recognition, all that good stuff uh, in the wake of the Me Too scandal. She went one of the first to call for Al Franken to step down. Um, so she has some name recognition, but I don't know. I'm not seeing her as one of the, uh, just talking about this as a horse race, I don't see her as one of the top runners. All right, well, judging by this list so far, there's a very good chance a senator will win. Okay, a lot of senators <laughs> in this thing. Up next, it's Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Amy Klobuchar some uh, negative news for Amy Klobuchar. Tur- turns out she has a terrible temper. Did you know that? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I think I heard a little yeah, something Yeah, well, it's a terrible temper, yelling at uh, aides and stuff. That's the kind of thing. If, it was, if they run the Democratic uh, presidential primary like it's a Chicago mayoral election, you'll hear commercials. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, the temper tantrum. Uh, they'll be hammering her hard. By the way, I got this. I was talking to a, uh, an aldermanic candidate yesterday, just a brief aside here, uh, and we were sort of recapping of you know the, the election. Uh, this particular mayoral candidate, uh, Erica Wozniak, I'll get their name, uh, did, was not victorious in the 46th Ward. She was telling me about some of the tactics that they employ, and they went out, the opposition research team uh, for her opponent uh, filed a FOIA to see how many parking tickets she had. Can you believe that? This is Chicago. How many parking tickets? Good God. If they if parking tickets was an impediment, I could never run for anything. Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> parking tickets. Oh, Scoff law. Don't, don't vote for that guy. <laughs> but the good news is I don't think, I think she had five tickets and they were all paid for, so they couldn't use that again. Oh, well, there we go. There we what go. What a city we have. All right. Meanwhile, it's okay for Ed Burke to represent Don, <laughs> Donald Trump on property tax appeals, but God forbid Erica Wozniak has a parking ticket. We got a couple more candidates here. Uh, we got Hawaii representative Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, she was a big, there was a lot of listeners on our old show that loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's moving a little right on foreign policy. I'm not quite sure about her. We got the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, Buttigieg. He's 37 years old. That's what I know about him. He's young. And uh, I don't know about that dude, you know, but you know, hey, uh, who would have predicted that? Let's see. Who would have predicted that Jimmy Carter would win in 1976? And who so. would have predicted? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Donald Trump would win in 2016. Yeah, I I did not predict. I must say. Uh, and finally, uh, this new guy that we got running, Jay Inslee. Yeah, still in the rumor to be running, but come on, who are we kidding? Category: Texas Senator candidate and haunter of Ted Cruz's dreams for about a year. <laughs> Robert Beto O'Rourke, former Vice President Joe Biden, and Howard Schultz, aka the Starbucks yeah, guy. Yeah, the Starbucks guy was threatening to run as an independent, uh, so he wasn't going to be actually running as oh, a Democrat. Starbucks centrist. Yeah, Starbucks centrist. He's looking for like you know the votes of people who think that the Democrats are too extreme because they want to do things to combat climate change. So. Anyway, uh, I doubt he's going to run, but I sure hope he doesn't run that, you know, because that would only cut cut votes from the Democratic candidate uh, who's running against Donald Trump. So there you are. The candidates, the candidates uh, 
may I say. <laughs> you can't talk over the part where the guy's Wait, talking. Th- this, your, there wasn't there another candidate, a Williamson, Marion Williamson? Is she an announced candidate? Not, not an announced candidate. Oh, okay. So at the moment. Matter. Okay, all right. Okay. All right, so there you are. But Benny J, I have a cool question for you. Mm-hmm. You ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois? I was born ready. That's a fantastic answer. Because coming up after the break, people, we are going to find out what else is news. I can't wait. My favorite part of the show with the doctor. Plucks that trick from under his sleeve. Let's see what it is when we come back. If you would like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. at C-O-R-P as in Paul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. OK, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Benny J, take it away. All right, Will to Ben Jarofsky here, the Ben Jarofsky Show at the beautiful Chicago Sun-Times radio studio on receipt. Man, what a great, can we just one more time, what a, give an applause for what a beautiful studio it is. Uh, Dennis promises before the show is over to go over to that keyboard and watch out, play some <laughs> chopsticks coming at you. <laughs> Anyway, it's time for the local news. What you got for me, boy? Yes, we're about to find out what's going on locally. It's time for what else is news, Ben? It looks like one of our Chicago mayoral runoff candidates is attempting to brand a new nickname for her opponent. Uh-oh. And it's not a cool one like T-Bone or L-Train. <laughs> not even a slightly cool one like uh-huh. Dr. D. No, no, yeah. this one's pretty bad, especially if you're trying to convince people to vote for you. This comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and the only Fran Spielman. By the way, check out the Fran Spielman Show, chicago.suntimes.com. Lori Lightfoot's decision to make a $200,000 contribution to her own campaign gave Tony Preckwinkle an opening Thursday to brand her runoff opponent as a, quote, millionaire corporate lawyer masquerading as a reformer. Yes, I saw that. Uh, the uh, Preckwinkle campaign is making it very clear the gloves are off. They made it clear on election night. You know, Tony started her oh, thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. And then, by the way, let me tell you what a low life Lori Lightfoot is in so many words. And then Lori Lightfoot was like, I'm going above all this. I'm going to be better than this. I think the quote in Fran's story today uh, told it all. Let me take my paper right here. What was the quote? Oh, yeah. Lori Lightfoot told Fran Spielman, uh, Lightfoot accused the Perkwinkle campaign of, quote, trying to sully my reputation with a bunch of lies and half-truths unquote, just two days into the five-week runoff campaign. Quote, I'm not going to roll around in the mud with her, Lightfoot said. I don't know, Lori Lightfoot. I think before all is said and done, you might have to get down in the uh, mud because that's how it's going to be. It's going to be a rough and tumble campaign. And, uh, you know, we 
Michelle Obama always said, when they go low, we go high. Didn't really work out too well for the Democrats in the 2016 campaign. So it's always a tough decision. Do you take the high road? Do you take the low road? And it's clear that Tony Preckwinkle is just uh, fighting hard, fighting dirty. So I think Lori Lightfoot might uh, have to respond. By the way, let me just to say this. Lori Lightfoot will be our guest on Tuesday at 6.30 at the hideout. McDumkey and I will be doing our first Tuesday show. So Lori Lightfoot will be there live answering our questions. 6.30 on Tuesday. What is that? March 5th at the hideout, 1354 West Wabonsi. And if you've never been to one of these first Tuesday shows, oh, they're fantastic. You go hang out, get a drink, go watch people talk politics, hang out with like-minded political junkies, Ben Jarofsky and McDumkey. Lori Lightfoot, the guest. That's a... It's a big get, buddy. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had Tony Preckwinkle there uh, uh, twice, um, ducking and dodging on the last <laughs> time. <laughs> Here's Preckwinkle campaign spokeswoman Monica Trevino on the matter. Quote, is this the type of principled reform Lori Lightfoot thinks Chicago is looking for, where candidates can dump as much of their wealth as they want into a campaign instead of work to build grassroots support? The quote continues, but we're going to pause for a moment. Let's compare the campaign cash for the candidates. What do you say, Ben? All right. By the way, Monica Trevina, good friend of this show. Yeah. Monica's been on the, the Ben Jarowski show before. All right. So we're going to go back to uh, the Fran Spielman article here. Um, well, let's say Senator Pre- Preckwinkle raised $5.4 million in round one of the mayoral sweepstakes and has $4.7 million in the bank mm-hmm. for the April 2nd runoff. So $4.7 million to spend for Preckwinkle. Lightfoot, on the other hand, has raised just $1.64 million and has only about $730,940 left to spend. Yeah, and this is uh, this is obviously, when you have a candidate with a big advantage over the other candidate in terms of fundraising uh, in a five-week election, this we saw this happen in 2015. That means that the candidate with the money can hit hard and uh, with negative commercials that brand the other candidate with a certain image or reputation, what do they call that? They, uh, uh, it's um, where you you identify them before they can identify themselves, and um, so that's a huge advantage uh, for Preckwinkle, uh, and that's why uh, Lori Lightfoot is going to get in on that phone and raise some money uh, or uh, fight back, which uh, any way she can. You know she's going to have to hit back hard with uh, Tony Preckwinkle. Tony Preckwinkle's hammering hard at her. Look, D. I do like the principle of going high and not going low. And I would like to hear a reasoned, enlightened debate as to what the issues are in the city of Chicago. Lord knows we need an honest debate. And there are a lot of issues uh, that we're facing here in the city of Chicago, not the least of which is how we're going to pay for all the the obligations uh, we're facing uh, as a city. Uh, But my sense is, it's going to go. Uh, they're going to go dirty. They're going to go into the mud, and we're not going to have much of an enlightened debate. I hope I'm wrong. Ramana Hussein will be my guest in a few minutes. Let's see what she has to say about that. Are we going to have an enlightened debate in the city of Chicago, or are we going to have mud wrestling? Now comes the part where it starts to look like the Preckwinkle campaign were taking detailed notes during uh, now Governor J.B. Pritzker's gubernatorial run because very similar to how Pritzker time and time again would cleverly coin his opponent, Bruce Rauner, a failure, the Preckwinkle campaign is doubling down on their uh, hopeful nickname for Lightfoot, Corporate Lawyer. The Preckwinkle, uh, Preckwinkle campaign, quote, continues, quote, Corporate Lawyer Lori Lightfoot doesn't get it <laughs> because she's a corporate lawyer. <laughs> who has taken the side of big special interest who would pay her big fees to do their dirty work. 
Uh, now Lori Lightfoot has responded. Ben just mentioned that. So far, she's taken the high road here. Lightfoot accused the Preckwinkle campaign of, quote, trying to sully her reputation with a bunch of lies and half-truths just two days into the five-week runoff campaign and saying, quote, I'm not going to roll around in the mud with her. Yeah, and a corporate lawyer. The other one is cop. Uh, a, a lot of Preckwinkle supporters always tell me, I can't vote for uh, Lori Lightfoot because she's a cop. And for the record, uh, Lori Lightfoot has never been a police officer, never has been a cop, but she was a federal prosecutor. So I, I guess that's sort of like in the family tree, uh, close enough. Like a distant cousin. So it's cop. sort of, you know, I, I, they're taking a page from Trump. Trump was Mr. Nicknames, you know what? It, uh, his nickname for Bernie Sanders, Crazy Bernie, you know, Crooked Hillary. So corporate lawyer. But it is very familiar. Uh, it reminds me of the Pritzker campaign a lot when they kept, uh, kept calling Rauner failure over and over again. Yeah, failure. Failed failure, failure. By the way, Pritzker, I saw my beloved Brightman, the Chicago Sun-Times. Well, show today. those listeners that newspaper, right. please. There it is. All, all right, millennials. Right. It's called a newspaper, all right. all right? No more. I have some friends who are not millennials that don't read newspapers, only read, Ramana knows who I'm talking about, uh, only want to read it on a phone because they, they, the environment, but I'm still old school. I like the newspaper. Anyway, Pritzker plans to remain neutral in Chicago mayoral runoff. Uh, quote, I'll be supporting whoever wins that runoff because I want to work with the mayor, whoever that person is. My intention is to stay out, and of course, I'll end up voting. But unlike previous governors, my job is to work with the mayor of the city of Chicago to make things yeah, happen. Yeah, he ain't no dummy. He's not getting involved in this. <laughs> He's not getting down in that one. All right. I wonder what his thoughts on corporate lawyers are. If you, I, I have a hunch that uh, J.B. Pritzker has hired uh, more than one corporate lawyer in the past. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of what's going on locally. And now you will have an answer the next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? Here, let me tell you something. What? Something that Governor Jay Inslee. Oh, okay. Jay-Z. Oh, nice. And J-Dub, a guy I used to go bowling with. Oh. All agree. Hey, J-Dub. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll have Ramana Hussein with us when we return. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Thank you very much, Dennis. You know, uh, we uh, every show we start off with an interview with someone from the Sun-Times or from the Reader, for that matter, to talk about what the issues of the day. I've been looking forward to this. the third day. I've been looking forward to this uh, all, all week uh, since we got started. Ramana Hussein, uh, assistant metro editor of the Chicago Sun-Times, knows a lot about a lot of things. And we thought we'd be a good idea to do sort of a, a week in the review uh, once a week. Uh, with Romana every Friday, so we're going to call this the Romana portion of the show. We're going to get some like a song. Oh, come, and, on, uh, come on, the Romana rundown. <laughs> the Romana rundown. Whoa, that, 
He went to radio school, <laughs> yeah. Ramana. I think. <laughs> Ramana Rundown. So, Ramana, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, so, the Ramana Rundown. What you got? What's number one on the Ramana Rundown? Uh, well, for this week? I think I think maybe not necessarily for me at this point, but definitely the elections. Tuesday was a big night. I, I think a lot of people, you know, knew there was going to be a runoff, but they knew Tony Preckwinkle was probably going to be one of the two but they didn't know who the other person was. And I think people were definitely surprised that Lori Lightfoot kind of just came out from the, you know, at the end, not the end of the pack, but basically people probably thought she'd come into third. They probably thought it was a Preckwinkle versus Daly um, showdown and uh, turned out it wasn't. So I think people are definitely excited knowing that our, we're going to have our first African-American female mayor. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I think, I think people are excited you know, not everybody, but I think a lot of people are excited, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen in the next five weeks. Well, if anybody thought that because it was two African American women running against each other, that there would be sort of like the sisterhood where there would be a, a pact of sorts where they agree just to focus on issues, where they agree just to discuss uh, the pending problems that uh, Chicago faces, I think Tony Prickwinkle's made that pretty much clear in the last couple of days. There's no nice game going on, and here it uh, just because it's a, another black woman running against her she's coming at Lori Lightfoot hard as Dennis was saying the, they're already corporate lawyer cop I get cop all the time yeah People I've heard that too you know Lori Lightfoot was on the police board she was a prosecutor as you mentioned earlier so that's definitely that rhetoric is going around and I think they also have to kind of focus in the black wards because I don't think any of them I think Tony Prockwinkle might have won one ward but I think Lori Lightfoot um, mostly one in a predominantly white north side neighborhood. So I think they have to focus on getting these um, African-American wards and showing them that, you know, they are the best candidate for the job. Yeah, absolutely. The so-called Willie Wilson vote. Willie Wilson, I think, won uh, most of the, the majority black wards, particularly on the west side and the south side. Uh, you're right, Tony Prickle won some of the south uh, lakefront wards, mm-hmm. like the fourth, the fifth, her home base, if you will. Uh, and Lori Lightfoot was strongest on the north side in the uh, what they used to call lakefront liberal wards. Uh, in your humble opinion, Romana, should uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, go uh, low uh, to to match Tony Preckwinkle blow for blow, or should she try to take that Michelle Obama like high road in this election? I think everybody would probably say, you know, if they were naive, they'd probably say just take the high road. But I think they're going to have to kind of get the guns out in the next five weeks. I'm thinking just, I'm reading, I'm going from what I've read from political strategists and what they think that needs to be done. I know Tony Preckwinkle has been criticized for not coming out and kind of hiding from the media. And today she actually came on Franz Spielman's show. And so, you know, she is coming out. So she's definitely listened to the criticism. And I was reading Fran's story because I think she's one of the top experts on all things politics and all things city hall, she had talked to some strategists and they said that they, Tony needs to get down and dirty. So to like, you know, win or get some votes. So I think they're going to, I think it's going to get a little heated before yeah. it's all over. Well, obviously Tony uh, was coming out of the, the primary. She had some disadvantages, her ties to birth, yes. for instance. Um, and that was a huge And then her, then her aide, uh, you know, comparing Lori Lightfoot to the not uh, to a Nazi, yeah, and so I think that you know caused a lot of heat as well. So I think the Burke thing definitely was very harmful. Nobody probably saw that coming because nobody saw Burke being charged with the crime. By the was, way, Ed Burke was just reelected by the yes. citizens of the 14th yes, Ward. Yes, that was definitely in- that was one of the interesting uh, 
takes of the night and, you know, the different aldermanic races, you know, you had Joe Moore uh, losing, Joe Moreno losing. Nobody saw those coming, but I, I think it was interesting to see that, you know, these incumbents lost in those wards, but then here Burke is, you know, he has these feds after him and he still wins. So no, yeah, it's he, definitely he, interesting. I know he's indicted. The feds are on his, on the trail. Uh, Danny Solis was listening on to his conversations, was yeah. t- were wearing the wire uh, on Ed Burke. Ed Burke was like a persona no grata throughout the election. Candidates running from him, giving back money he gave, and he got reelected. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely an eye-opener. But I think a lot of people did expect him to win. They probably thought the challengers didn't have the name recognition out there. So you never know in, with Chicago politics. Do you, do you have a... Um, are you, let me put it this way, are you more tolerant of the Chicago point of view that so many Chicago voters have where, well, if I get good services, I'll put up with uh, a law, you know, my alderman being a property tax lawyer who gets tax breaks for Donald Trump or my uh, alderman trying to allegedly shake down property tax businesses, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Burger King franchisees, uh, which is what Ed Burke's been, uh, been accused of. Do you take a more pragmatic po- uh, view, Romana? Well, you know, but we do get services, so I'm going to overlook that. I think I think a lot of people do look at it that way. They're like, you know, as long as I'm getting my garbage picked up or, you know, you know, the light pole fixed, um, I'm happy. But, you know, I can't think how everybody thinks. And I don't know if that's true with everybody, because obviously, a lot of people are very well tuned into what's happening. But you look at something like the voter turnout. And especially with this election, you know, people are talking about how they want change. They want someone different from Rahm Emanuel. And only 32.95% of people are coming out. So you wonder how angry people are or how much movement people want in a different direction. So I think that's definitely interesting for me as a reporter. And I don't even see myself as that much of a political animal, but I do pay attention to politics. And, you know, I I guess I assume that everybody else is paying attention too. And I hope that people are, but I, I do think there are, there is this thought that, you know, if I'm getting my services taken care of and my streets are cleaned, my, you know, the snow is plowed out of the streets, you know, my alderman's doing the job. Very pragmatic people, the, the residents of the city of Chicago. My guest is Ramana Hussein, assistant uh, associate metro editor for the Chicago Sun-Times. are doing a Ramana rundown, the Week in Review. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about the um, all, the mayoral election that just passed, Tony Perkwinkle versus Lori Lightfoot. Another thing on, um, uh, on our list of things to talk about, I've been just dying to talk to you about this uh, since this story broke. On Wednesday, I think it was, at the Michael Cohen hearing, very bizarre moment, in my humble opinion, that uh, would occurred with, uh, what was it, Mark Meadows, the congressman from uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. I always, yesterday I said South Carolina. I was corrected by Frank, one of our uh, listeners. Uh, Mark Meadows um, trying to undercut the uh, testimony by Michael Cohen that based on his direct uh knowledge of dealing with Donald Trump, that Donald Trump was a racist, that Donald Trump had a very low opinion of black people, to put it mildly, to counteract that. Uh, Mark Meadows turned uh, to a woman, a black woman who was in the gallery, uh, Lynn Tablet, who is, uh, Lynn Patton, excuse me, who is a appointee of Donald Trump to uh, HUD and said she is testimony to the fact, testament to the fact that Donald Trump uh, is not a racist Finish the story there. 
Well, it was definitely interesting because we have uh, a freshman congresswoman from Michigan, Rashida Tlaib, who is uh, Palestinian-American, I believe. She's uh, a Muslim-American, uh, and she's one of two Muslim-American congresswomen. And she pointed out that, you know, just because you have a black person working for you doesn't mean that you're not a racist. And she had pointed out that Mark Meadows, by bringing Lynn Patton over there, because I think from what I understand is he had her standing next to him and he talked about her, but she herself didn't say anything. And he said, I'm going to turn over her statement to you guys, but she still didn't say anything. And so Rashida Tlaib said, you know, just the fact that you're bringing this woman as a quote prop is a racist act in itself. And he got really upset. And then he started talking about how he has nieces and nephews who are people of color. And how could I be a racist? There's been a lot of think pieces about that, about how, you know, a white man, a white politician was called out by another woman of color for being, for, you know, using a prop. And, you know, a lot of people have said that, you know, she, I think they had to hug it out the next day and they felt like, you know, why does she have to appease him or like tell him, okay, you're not a racist. But I think there's a lot of, thoughtful dialogue but I know Lynn Patton herself does not feel like she's a prop so I think that's important to point out because people you know if they don't feel like they're a prop I think it's it's their right to not feel like a prop Mm -hmm. but as a person of color and I think other people of color will tell you that uh, a lot of people of color are used as props in the workplace and Many people think that the fact that she was brought there just to this hearing to prove that Donald Trump's not a racist and just standing there and not saying anything, I think it's kind of, I think it's a, it's an action that's very prop worthy. So I think it's definitely interesting. And people were also saying that, um, I was reading this Washington Post article right before I came in, but Lynn Patton is actually, actually showed up there because she's auditioning for a reality show. And uh, HUD had basically denied that she should be on this reality show but she has turned up at a lot of events like auditioning for a show so how about this this is breaking news i did not realize as i've been obsessively following this somehow or other i I must have cut off following this before this story what reality show is she i I think it was some sort of housewives show i you know how they have the um you know wives of or housewives of atlanta or housewives of you know, New York. <laughs> oh I, I think she's. I think she was auditioning, or they said that's why one of the reasons she showed up. Yeah. So she could get like camera time because as part of an audition. But that's what I just saw in the Washington Post. I, I believe it was the Washington Post a few minutes ago, right before I started. Well, it was a brilliant move on her part because she certainly has raised her profile. Yeah, and, and and you know she was you know she went on Fox and Friends and said that I am not a prop. So I I do think that's important to get out there because you know. A lot of people of color would say that she was used a prop, but this is someone that's saying that I wasn't a prop. So if she doesn't feel like that, I think she should get her voice out there. But I think a lot of people of color would disagree. Well, here's my problem with the whole thing. And it goes beyond uh, people of color. It's the notion that some kind of uh, um, controversial point of view uh, that a person can have can be completely eradicated by testimony from one person. Exactly. Okay, so it's well, like... Well, it's like somebody saying they have a black friend. Just because you have a black friend doesn't mean you're not a racist. Um, I think a lot of people are talking about that. You know, people think that just because they have an association with, you know, 
a lot of men, you know, people pointed out a lot of men are married to women. They're still still misogynistic (laughs) or treat women bad. You know, it doesn't mean that just because you have an association with someone. Well, we saw that in the uh, Jason Van Dyke uh, trial that just went down in Chicago for uh, shooting Laquan McDonald, where it was brought up. African-American brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. As I don't know what relevancy that had to whether or not he murdered Laquan McDonald or should be punished for the shooting of Laquan McDonald, but it was raised in a way, obviously in a way to influence uh, the jury. In the old days, they used to say, I'm not anti-Semitic. Some of my best friends are Jews. That was like a common, like Jews would be like rolling their eyes when they were here. Are you kidding me? You know? Uh, And so the notion that somehow or other that Donald Trump is innocent of any accusation of bigotry or racism just because one black woman is willing to stand up and say, oh, I like the yeah. guy, you know, I don't know. It just seems kind I know, of a stretch. I know. And, you know, Donald Trump has, I think the biggest minority um, group in his cabinet are Indian Americans. And I think if you talk to a lot of Indian Americans, they're going to tell you that that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, all Indian Americans like this or want to be on his cabinet or are necessary necessarily approve of who Donald Trump is. So it's it's definitely an interesting time in our country. And I think race and, you know, these type of topics are never going to go away because, you know, these are sensitive topics and they're important topics. And for people to, you know, use people as props or just say that just because I have this minority person in my cabinet, it means I'm okay with every all people that look like this isn't necessarily true. My guest is Ramana Hussein. We're doing the Ramana Roundup. That's just a, uh, a title that Dennis came up with. Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, she's going to go out and hire a good corporate lawyer and coin that phrase and uh, yes. so she can hold it forever. I can forever. become rich and retire. <laughs> she can become rich and retire. We have much, much more on the Roundup when we return. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. To advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, Ben Jarofsky here with me in the studio. Ramana Hussein from the Chicago Sun-Times. It's the Ramana Roundup. We call it around here. We're going to have t-shirts. Ramana Rundown. Oh, is it Roundown? Rundown now? Rundown, Rundown. You changed it. I, I thought it was Roundup. Now, Rundown. Right. All right, Rundown. All right, all right, Rundown. All right. We're going to have to redo those t-shirts. I just ordered them. Hey, burn those t-shirts. Anyway, we're going down some of the big stories of the week. Uh, and uh, moving on to R. Kelly, something uh, that sometimes has been covering, something that's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, give us some updates on R. Kelly. 
Well, the latest is that uh, he had posted bond on late Friday night, I believe. And the woman who posted his bond was a woman from Romeoville. And she had met R. Kelly on a cruise. Um, the reason I bring her up is because actually on election night, while all this action and high activities going on, she, the woman who apparently posted his bond had called us and said that, hey, what I, the information I never gave you, it's not true. And so we kind of have to go back and forth. And, you know, I, her name was on the bond slip and it said that she was from the suburb where this woman was calling from. So it's definitely um, an interesting case. Uh, she, this woman, it turns out, uh, according to court documents, had won a wrongful death suit. I think she had a child that died. So she came into some money that way. And so she posted his bond. So his friend had said that this woman had posted the bond after he came out of a cigar lounge in a McDonald's. He went to a McDonald's right after he posted the bond and then went to a cigar lounge. And I think he spent some time in, in the bathroom at McDonald's because his friend told a reporter <laughs> that uh, he didn't use the bathroom at Cook County Jail. So he, quote unquote, lit it up the bathroom in McDonald's, I think. So it's probably TMI. But that's the latest. I mean, the case is probably going to take a while. I don't know if you paid attention to the first R. Kelly trial. I believe it started in 2008, mm -hmm. maybe five or six years after the initial charges when um, Jim Derogatis and Abdon Palish had covered the story. It took a couple in of years. In the Sun-Times. Yeah, in the Sun-Times. I mean, the Sun-Times, um, I'm not trying to toot our own horns, but we did do the original covering that led to it. Um, obviously, the Lifetime series that came out. I don't know if you watched the Lifetime series, but um, it was very impactful, I think, mostly because that the victims were on the show. Um, Jim Derogatis does deserve credit, and I think with the, the the both of these like mediums, you know, you had TV people paying attention, and I just thought it was interesting that it's been in the papers for all this time, and then you know finally these allegations they're resurfacing again, and you know there's victims, alleged victims coming out, so. I think that it's just a, a very interesting story. And people are asking me when people I know, my friends are asking me when the trial is going to be. And I'm trying to explain to them that, uh, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. I don't know if it's going to take five or six years, but it's going to take a couple of years. I mean, high profile cases take years. I covered the criminal courthouse at 26 and Cal, even a case that's like moderately interesting or interesting in the sense like the media is paying attention to it it can take up to a year or two so i think this is going to take a while before it's over did you cover the original r kelly trial i didn't i actually uh got assigned the courthouse beat right after the case finished but i did do part of i did do some preliminary hearings because at the time eric herman was the uh, criminal courts reporter mm -hmm. and there are some days where he wasn't there so they sent me to some like preliminary hearings so i did cover some of those uh hearings where r kelly was but i didn't cover the actual trial and when the trial was over i was sent to one of the jurors house and i kind of just sat outside but the juror never showed up so i was just sitting outside in some like far south suburb i think it was and just sat there for like two or three hours the person never showed up uh and so what do you think the difference now from then is in terms of public attitude toward r kelly i think the public attitude has definitely changed since um 2008 I think um, Mary Mitchell has spoken out about this because she's somebody else who's been on this and kind of has been dogged about this case. Mary since. Mitchell, Chicago Sun-Times columnist. Yes. yes, she's a Chicago Sun-Times columnist, one of my colleagues. She had talked about um, how black women, black girls are kind of ignored. And she kind of kept talking about that. And I think the more and more people talked about it, and that was one of the things in the Lifetime series, it was kind of like, ingrained again like you know if this if these victims or alleged victims were white 
people would probably be have more of an uproar. And I think, you know, you have to look at all the, you know, the past, the, you know, the, the history of the United States and, you know, people felt like, you know, a lot of people in the African-American community are like, oh no, you know, they're dragging another African-American down. And then I think people started thinking about it, and especially after this, this series came out, they're like looking at like, you know, these women are also part of the community and, you know, the, the, they hear the allegations and they realize how horrific they are. So I think you s- definitely saw a turn in public attitude in a lot of communities over this case. And I don't think, I don't think, you know, he definitely people like his music, but I don't, I think even artists, because there's a lot of artists who still sang with him after the allegations, after he was acquitted, because the allegations were still there. Lady Gaga, who's very popular right now, she had a, she had a duet with him. And I think that the song was called like, do what you want or do what you want to do with me. And a lot of people, I know there were people who were critical of it then. And it took her years to finally, you know, to have Spotify take it off. He played at Pitchfork a couple of years ago, 2013. And they Pitchfork apologized like now. So I think a lot of people in the music industry, a lot of people in the community, the local community are kind of, there's a shift in attitude for sure from the last time this, you know, he was charged. Yeah, it's not just the art. We see this across the board, you know, the Woody Allen. For sure. uh, People are now not going, I think Woody Allen couldn't get his last movie produced. People are moving away. You know, they're almost embarrassed to admit that they like Woody Allen or they like R. Kelly or they, she's I like, I never like Woody I, Allen I, I anyway. I never liked Woody Allen. You can ask my husband that. I had a big argument with him a couple of days ago about how, I don't know how <laughs> he always pairs himself with these women who I think would never go for him in real life. And yeah. I think he gave like all these like unattractive males like hope. And I go, you know, if it was a wo- if there was a woman who looked like Woody Allen and she paired herself with like these really attractive men. Those movies wouldn't even do well. Okay. So, yeah, You're like, actually uh, t- tapping into one of my favorite themes. And that is this bizarre thing. We're going to Sergio Mims is coming on next with Black Harvest Film Festival. We're going to talk about this. But um, follow me on this, Ramon. I know we're on a tangent within a tangent here. But follow <laughs> so, me on this. They always have older men with younger women. Oh, You'll never have totally. an older man. Like the, I, Sam Elliott. Uh, in in the last movie he was in, the hero. I don't know if you know who Sam Elliott is. He's I an do. older oh, actor. Oh, okay. I, I love the mask, or is it mask with uh, Cher? And yeah. he played Cher's boyfriend in that movie. So that's when I first got introduced to Sam Elliott as wow. a child. Wow, and You're Bob like Seger way back too. to the eighties. And Bob Seger. <laughs> and who did Bob you say? Bob Seger. The, the whole soundtrack of that movie yeah. with Bob Seger, and I, I was like, oh, I kind of like this music. By the so. way, Romana Hussein, huge. Bob Seeger fan. Okay, she tries to keep that one. You hidden. too. She <laughs> loves. Se- she just saw he- Seeger. Just, she went to drove to actually, Milwaukee. I was actually dragged to that show. Oh, <laughs> that's not, not I, what I heard. Well, no, I heard she was driving the car. <laughs> my sister was, but oh. <laughs> my younger sister was. But I did see yeah. uh, Bob Seeger before Mick did. My husband. Yeah. And he's from Michigan, but he said he wanted to see him one more time, and I think he just wanted us to come. So he's like, oh, I'll buy you tickets. So he bought us tickets. Uh, but we, I, we do like Seeger. I do like Seeger. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with no, loving Bob Seeger. There isn't. I told, I told Mick I saw him in 96 and wore overalls so I could fit into the crowd, and he's like, he's from Detroit, Michigan. I'm like, when you're from Chicago, everybody outside of Chicago. <laughs> All right. I just got to say, but going back to Woody Allen, uh, but the, the notion is that you become embarrassed. It's going to happen with Michael Jackson uh, as well because there's yeah. a movie coming out about Michael Jackson with um, uh, where, where they have on-camera testimony uh, from men who claim that uh, he um, uh, what he sexually sexually molested them, them yeah. or what have you. And um, so that's going to be very difficult. It's going to be a difficult moment because so many people 
and I'm speaking for myself, loved Michael of Jackson. I think, I think I think the Me Too movement and uh, just women speaking out has kind of changed public attitudes, which I, in a way I think it's kind of sad. It's like these were all acceptable, not, not saying that sexual abuse was acceptable, but people were willing to turn their heads away from because that. The music, I like the music, man. Yeah, Why are you trying I mean, you to ruin still, it for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know people say that you have to separate the art from the artist, but there are sometimes there's allegations that are so severe where, you, you know, I guess it makes people rethink. But yeah. I think I think it's good to, you know, I guess it's, you know, he's not here to speak out for himself, but Who, uh, Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson yeah. But, you know, I think in other cases, I think men or or for that matter, women, nobody should be allowed to do certain things to people. And I think it's good that people are speaking out at least. Yeah, I, and I went on a tangent with a tangent with a tangent, so I didn't get to finish my <laughs> anecdote about Sam Elliott. So anyway, uh, it's Sam Elliott. He was in this movie called The Heroes a couple of years ago. I just f- happened to see it. And he plays this older actor uh, who is dealing with the fact that he's cancer. Anyway, in the middle of the movie, this really beautiful woman who's at least 30 years younger than Sam Elliott is all of a sudden attracted to him. And I'm like, this is a fantasy. Like, it's not going to happen. You and, know? I, and, you know, the thing is, like, it's so problematic in Hollywood. I think a lot of women pay attention. I mean, there Jeff Bridges had that movie where he's this musician and this journalist who's like Maggie Gyllenhaal. And she's like 30 years younger than him. And, you know, this movie, these movies get accolades. If it was the other way around, it would never work. So, I mean, not work, but people wouldn't buy it. And I think a lot of women are kind of annoyed with it and they're fed up. Well, the one Me that included, yeah, and I got to tell you this: that I really enjoyed this movie. It was called Chef, and it was sort of a. Did you ever see that one? It was no, not a really it? popular movie. Uh, what's old boy's name? I love that movie, John Favreau. Yeah, John oh, Favreau. Okay. It's. I think it's a very funny movie. I really enjoyed it a lot. But John Favreau is like, put it like a chunky guy. All right. Yeah, I know. Every is. beautiful woman in the world is like loving him, and Scarlett Johansson loves him. What's the lady's name from Modern Family? Oh, Sofia Vergara? She loves him. Everybody loves him. Like, this is your... I think... He made the movie, so he, you know... Yeah, of course. I just think that's the way for men to feel like they don't have to try that hard. They're like, oh, I can look like a schlub, and, you know, who cares? But I'm not saying that, you know, men can't be attractive if they're not conventionally attractive. I'm just saying, why not... Why can't it be the other way around? Why? How come when women are unconventionally attractive, they never show pair them up with these younger hot guys? Well, I think that as more women get behind the camera, yes, and I always say it's the powers behind the camera. So as more women get behind the camera, maybe more movies like that uh, will be made, and men will be rolling their eyes, going, "I can't believe this." <laughs> That's how we felt for the last decades. All right. You know, Ramana Hussein, uh, we had a whole list of other things we're going to get to, which <laughs> were far were more important, but we got on this tangent within a tangent. So uh, we'll have to take them up next Friday when we do the Ramana Rundown. Oh, there you go. All right. The Ramana thanks. Rundown. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Ramana Hussein, uh, Metro Editor of Chicago Sun-Times. I'm Ed Jarowski. Sergio Mims is waiting on deck. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? 
Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So... Let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Thank goodness it is Friday, March 1st, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times studios on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of our dear friend and director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, the one, the only, Mr. Sergio Mims. And now your host, creator of the Baby Driver Film Festival. <laughs> he loves that movie still. Yes. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Sergio Mims, we call him the Renaissance Man because, yes, he's a movie maven, uh, co-founder of the Black Harvest Film That's Festival. Right. Knows more about He knows more about current movies than anyone alive. And old he, movies, too, especially. And, yeah. Uh, this man knows more about black exploitation movies from the 70s than anyone alive. Can I say something right now? Go ahead. I think it's you are. It's a little are. weird to have Dennis right here when he's hey. usually in another room. Another room. <laughs> but look at the size of the room behind you. I don't think we could fit Dennis well, we in there. Can, right? uh, Dennis, no. you're going to go sit in that closet over there. Uh, anyway, the Renaissance man, he could also talk politics. And I know he's got a lot to say about the marriage race. Got a lot to say about what went down in uh, Washington on Wednesday. Uh, with uh, Lynn Patton giving silent testimony on behalf of <laughs> Donald John Trump. So we'll get to all that with Sergio Mims. Before we do that, what you got for me, D? Well, it's time to go to you. And yes, I'm talking to you, the Ben Jarofsky Show listeners. How's it going there, live streamers? You guys live streaming, you downloading, how you finding us? Either way, it's fantastic. Uh, ben, let's head over to our social media pages and check those. What do you say? All right, sounds like a good all idea. Right. We have some people to thank on our Facebook page. Uh, because we've reached 400 likes, 
on the page. All right. Uh, oh, and uh, Ben, you uh, you see that mountain up ahead? Oh yeah. See that up there? What is that? That's 500 likes, buddy. Mount 500. Just put your we're head starting down. from scratch. We were up to how many? And then like 5,000. Uh, Just put your head again. down, buddy. We'll, we'll get there soon enough, all, all right? right? I'm climbing that mountain. 500. One step at a time. Here we come, 500. We'll That's get there soon enough. That's pretty good for how long? Uh, one, three days Two now? days, yeah. This is day three. Day That's, three. That's good. <laughs> Thank so, you, sir. So let's give some shout-outs here. Uh, looks like Ken Davis just liked the Facebook clip. Kenny, Wait a minute, Ken, Ken Davis. Davis. That Ken Davis? Yeah, we All that's right. our buddy. Young Kenneth? Yeah, All Kenny right, D. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Ken. That was nice. Shout-out to Jim. He just liked the page. Thanks, Jim. You are awesome. Esther liked the page. Hey, Esther, what do you got going on this weekend? Oh, yeah? Really? Okay, well, be careful. Be careful, <laughs> Esther. Also, shout-outs to <laughs> Angie, <laughs> Allison, Celeste, Debbie, Thompson, Ronnie, David, Alan, and Beth, all of you just like the Ben Jarofsky show in the last on Facebook in the last 24 hours. And you know, we don't care what the others say. All of you are fantastic, okay? <laughs> oh, and for all of uh, those out there who may be uh, talking a little trash, 400, what? Come on, that, that ain't nothing. You're in Chicago. 400 likes, let me tell you, this is a grassroots campaign, <laughs> yeah. all right? All hands on deck, everyone. Yeah. If you're listening to this right now, live or downloaded, doesn't matter, and you've yet to like the Ben Jarofsky show on Facebook, you better go do it. We post news updates, goofy videos of Ben, shows, uh, show alerts, caption contests, people insult us from time to time. It's a great experience, everybody. <laughs> it's the Ben Jarofsky yeah. show on Facebook. Ben, spell that last name. <clears throat> J-O-R-A, V as in victory, as my beloved Bulls will do tonight as they battle the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, the Atlanta Hawks with John Collins. V as in victory. Oh, I'm sorry. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hang tight, non-sports fans. All right, and uh, you have no excuse. Find us and like us. We're also on Twitter, at Benny J Show is our handle. And Ben, I believe we got a comment on our Twitter page. Uh-oh. I guess you'd call that a tweet, huh? Oh yeah, it's a call tweet <laughs> from Donald John Trump. Uh, no, this one's from Kevin. Kevin, okay. and his uh, handle is at Las Vegas Bum. Okay. <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah what does Ke- he say? Kevin, he's uh, weighing in on the uh, Chicago mayoral runoff here. Mm-hmm. Kevin says, "Can't wait for a debate between these two. Referring to Lori uh, Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle. One will answer the question. The other will just say." Ditto that. <laughs> they are running to see who is most liberal, yeah. but they really can't out-liberal each other. What do you think about Kevin's comment? Well, I think Kevin is, um, it sounds like he's more of the conservative persuasion, just by the way he went out that out-liberal each other. Uh, right now, Tony Preckwinkle's um, supporters are bombarding me with texts and emails, uh, Sergio, trying to convince me that somehow or other Lori Lightfoot is far more conservative than Tony Preckwinkle. And I personally, it's at the start of this campaign, but I personally do not see a tremendous distinction between either candidate on these larger issues of redistributing the pie in the city of Chicago and uh, just sort of like these liberal conservative issues. What's your, what's your general take on that? I would make the argument that Preckwinkle is the more conservative candidate in my opinion, uh, very much part of the machine, even though she claims she's a progressive. The other thing, too, is the fact that um, I saw her last night on um, Channel 11. Mm-hmm. They interviewed her, and she's calling um, uh, Lightfoot a uh, corporate lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, she put her own money into the campaign. Yeah. But Predwinkle has like $5 million dollars compared to what 
Lightfoot has. Mm-hmm. Can we just call them Lori and Tony? Okay, go ahead. For the, yeah, for the sake of simplicity. <laughs> go ahead. Knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. You know, she has more money. Yeah. She's more tied in into the uh, political machine and establishment here in Chicago. I would dare say that Tony, Lori. Tony is, is more conservative than Lori. Well, if you view conservative in terms of connections to the uh, political establishment in the city of Chicago, uh, absolutely, uh, she's more conservative. She's the chair of the Democratic Party. She right. was an ally of Joe Berrios. Mm-hmm. She was an ally of Ed Burke. Uh, she was pretty much an ally of Rahm Emanuel. Uh, they, she supported him on many of his initiatives up until the moment when he decided he wasn't running, and then all of a sudden she started she to run. She gets in, right. Yeah, so you know, I always give credit to the people who jumped into the race, uh, Sergio, before Rom left. I call them the original gangsters, and I give them credit for having the guts to go against Rom. So if you do it, if you just, as you're saying, if you just concentrate on that little square, uh, then yes, I think you can make the argument mm-hmm. that... Uh, Tony is more conservative than Lori. Yeah, I go with that. By the way, you know what's missing here? What? I need water. <laughs> First time Sergio came on my show, uh, I don't know how many years ago that was, and he was like, where's the water? <laughs> I was dying of thirst. Yeah, yeah he was dying of I can't have a, I'm going to run to the, yeah. the uh, break room yeah, uh, Chicago can... Sun-Times, see if I can get you some water. All right, if there's get... one good thing I can say about the old place, yeah. they had good water. <laughs> Hey, man, let me tell you something. This water here, right? this water, oh, let me just hold on, have a sip. Mm-mm-mm. Is that water delicious? All right. Well, then I need to taste Oh, God. Drink that water. You know, it's so good. <laughs> All right, we're going to get you some water. Uh, and uh, actually, Dennis went out to get you some water. What an oversight that we don't have you water. Um, but uh, before we uh, go, any updates of, about the Black Harvest? We new audience here. Why don't you explain to people what the Black Harvest Film Black Festival is? Black Harvest Film Festival is one of the largest. It is well, first of all, it's the largest black film festival in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely one of the largest black film festivals, not in the United States, but in the world. This year, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, which is a stunning achievement for any film festival, mm-hmm. let alone even a black film festival. So um, we are in the process of... Um, of uh, getting submissions in. We're literally getting bombarded with submissions already. As a matter of fact, just last night, a filmmaker contacted me, a a new feature film he has starring Danny Glover, which definitely we would like to have submitted and shown to us. It's called Strive. Um, Hmm. We are working very hard. We want to make this the best festival possible. Uh, Some of the films we're looking at I can I can tell you right now uh, the new documentary on Miles Davis by Stanley Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a new documentary on the Apollo Theater. The Apollo Theater in New York. In New York, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully we we might be able to get. Hold on just a second. Hold on, he's going to replenish himself with a delicious. How about that water, huh? How is it? Oh, that's good water. <laughs> Man, Sergio loves the water. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Sun Times is nothing but the best when it comes to water. And you he's pouring it into his Chicago Sun Times right. coffee. Let cup. me have another sip of this delicious <laughs> Sun Times water. Where's the cameras here when we need it? Ah, yes. Oh, it's good water. <laughs> it's like, okay. Sergio has been so, watered. He's ready I've to been go. Refreshed. <laughs> 
Uh, so I lost my train of thought. The water. Strive, Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, and there are many other films, you know, coming in. Our deadline's not until June. Okay. So last year we got something like 250 mm -hmm. submissions. Yeah. We expect to equal that number or even top it. And yes, we're still working on that director. Okay. That's all right. Now let's just back up for one second. Uh, Black Harvest Film Festival consumes uh, much of the month of August here in the city of Chicago. It's the entire month of August. The entire it month of August. August 2nd. It continues to the 29th. And it go, and it's at the Gene Siskel Theater, which is right downtown Chicago, across the street from the Chicago Theater. That's on right. State Street. And um, documentaries, features. What they do, a lot of film festivals do this, but I really like it. What they do is they take a blast <laughs> from the past, uh, and they'll bring an old movie Usually, like they try to what twenty fifth anniversary. Love Jones was the one a couple of years ago. Which it was I two loved. years ago. Two years last ago. years we did um, um, Rusty Cundiff's movie, A Fear of the Black Hat. Yeah. Uh, this year there are two movies which are celebrating an anniversary. I don't want to give it away mm. because uh -oh. I don't want to give the idea to another competing film oh, festival. Okay. It's uh, my favorite part of the Sergio uh, interview. He leaves, it, he leaves you in suspense. That's right. Yeah, he says as he has more water. Take the water away from him, be dehydrated, and he'll spill the beans. Uh, all right, so you're not going to give us even a clue? As Can we give it initials of the director who might be there? Can we give the well? We're working on that. Okay, all right, no clue. I'm not gonna, folks. It's He's known by a nickname. Yes, a nickname. He's known by a nickname, or it's also in volleyball. Let me tell you this. His name is Sheldon. His real name is Sheldon. Sheldon, is that right? Yeah, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Uh, no, but I, I know who you guys are talking about now. <laughs> The volleyball uh, thing volleyball you said. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know when someone uh, hits the volleyball, mm -hmm. puts the volleyball in the air right. to set the other person up for the... Or maybe sometimes when you have a drink and you put... Uh, it's like fruit punch, but you put alcohol in the drink. Yeah, it's you, called a Sheldon. It's called a Sheldon. Yes, that's what it's called. So that director, uh, if Sergio plays his cards right and refrains from saying anything critical of the guy... Uh, will show can up. Can I say also <laughs> yes. that now at Black Harvest we can claim uh -huh. an Oscar winner? Um, Kevin Wilmot, who was one of the persons who won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, yes. is a Black Harvest veteran. We have shown four of his movies that he directed. Uh, and he was, uh, a, he was the author of a screenplay for which movie? Black Klansman. Black Klansman, which was directed by... I can't remember the name of the other guy. <laughs> Volleyball Spike Lee, okay? Spike Fruit Punch Lee. Uh, just had to say who. Uh, well, Sheldon Lee. Yeah, Sheldon Lee, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Sergio Mims, Black Harvest Film Festival uh, in the studio. We're going to talk about the Oscars. You know, it still have, it was just on Sunday. I've been dying to talk to Sergio about what went down at the Oscars when somehow or other they managed to give the Best Picture Award. Uh, to Green Book. Still don't know how that happened. We'll be right back after this. If you would like to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, and who wouldn't, contact Tracy Bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com. We have several advertising options for your business or organization, and quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher 
at Chicago Reader Corp. at C-O-R-P as in Paul, dot com to advertise with The Ben Jarofsky Show, The Chicago Reader, and The Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of The Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show take it away benny j all right will do sergio mims in the studio with me sergio mims co-founder of the black harvest film festival my humble opinion the greatest film festival in the city of chicago uh every august uh, the whole month of august as sergio pointed out at the gene siskel theater right across the street from chicago theater can't promote it enough it's a great film festival and uh, we're talking about who, thank you very much, Kendra. We were talking about uh, who was going to be here, there this year. Uh, Sergio is being very coy, not telling us who will be there, so we'll move on. Uh, no, it's because we have all these plans. I see. And they, a lot of times, sometimes they fall apart. Yeah. So I don't want to make promises. Like last year, we had Black Klansmen. Mm-hmm. We were going to show it. Yes. And I was telling people. Mm-hmm. And then it was pulled. Yeah. And then I had to tell the people I was telling. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's, that's a bad thing. And that yeah. happens to every film festival. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just saying uh, it could be really exciting. And I'm hoping for the best. All right. Let's talk about the Oscars. It was just Sunday. Uh, much debated and discussed. I didn't get an opportunity to talk about it on this show because until you showed up, uh, Sergio, I have not really had anybody with the ability to take the deep dive on uh, what went down. So You mean Kim Duncan couldn't do it? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. He could, and he wasn't even uh, uh, on the show. All right. Um, so let's uh, – the, the winner, the best picture of the year was for uh, Green Book. Uh-huh. I want to get it right. 
uh, and um, the favorite was Roma. Uh, and so, in your opinion, should Green Book have received Best Picture? Hell no. <laughs> By the way, yeah. uh, a couple of things. First no. of all, I think it worked great without a host. Oh, okay. I think it really, really great that was a, a transition that I didn't see. Yeah, in other words, the Oscar right. show itself. Right, let me itself. get that out of the way. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, it was shorter yeah. because you don't have a, a host doing those lame comedy bits. Yeah. Or songs. Okay, okay, that's one. Yeah. Number two, yeah. it fluctuates. Here's the thing. Last fall, the film was going to be A Star is Born. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw the Star Wars one was going to do it. Yeah. Right? Get everything. In other words, the favorite. The favorite. But this happens every year. Then that went down. Then the favorite came up for a while. Mm -hmm. And then the favorite went down. Then it became Roma. Yep. And everybody saw Roma was going to do it. I told people, I wish, I hope Roma's going to get it, but I bet it's going to go to Green Book. You predicted that? Yeah, I predicted Green Book was going to get it. Because those Oscar voters mm-hmm. there's even though it's been they've done a lot of diversity and gotten a lot of younger voters mm-hmm. it's the majority of voters are still these old white guys mm-hmm. you know and they're <laughs> going to vote for green book yeah which by one of the reasons i hate that books despite the fact beside the fact that it's driving miss daisy too yeah it doesn't tell you anything about Don Shirley, yeah. who was a genius. All right, let's pause for a moment. Tell folks, Green Book tells the story of uh, two men, a black man and a white man, who go essentially on a cross-country trip together through the South in the early 60s. Yeah, a very snooty black guy who needs to be brought down and a racist white guy who tells him how to be black. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, he doesn't tell him how to be black. He... he uh, if he, you he makes him enjoys the delicacies of fried, fried chicken, chicken. But, See, and, and black music, which he's uh, yeah, never which, listened to before. Which, by the way, before. is completely the most unbelievable part of that movie. And I think you will agree with me when I say this: is when the white guy, what's his name, uh, Dennis, Tony Lip. No, but the actor Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen. Mortensen. Yeah, I know. I should talk about him as as the real the character within the movie as opposed mm-hmm. to the actor. Uh, but Viggo Mortensen tells the. Uh, Marshall Ali character, uh, he introduces him to Nat King Cole. Now, I don't know if you remember this, this part of the movie, or in uh, Sam Cooke, I think, and Aretha Franklin. And you have to work from the assumption that the character in the 1960s would not be aware of the biggest star, one of the biggest black stars, uh, Nat King Cole, who had... No, not Nat King Cole, Ray Charles, who had transcended, who who had gone, become a like a, a, a popular figure throughout the industry, that white people and black people. You understand what I'm saying? That he would be unaware of the identity of Ray Charles. He would not know who Ray Charles is. I found that completely unbelievable. Uh, um, um, first of all, he's a jazz musician in the movie. He, he plays jazz. D- uh, Don Shirley. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't know black music? Yeah. Number two, <laughs> even the movie doesn't make sense. Number two is that uh, the real Don Shirley was really an absolute genius. He started performing when he was 13 years old with Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Uh, he wrote symphonies. He wrote concertos. He studied in Moscow. He spoke eight languages. He had multiple doctorate degrees, not bachelor, doctorate degrees. For 10 years, from the mid-40s 
until the mid-50s, he left music and became a psychologist here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Then he went back into music. Um, he was an extraordinary person, right? This movie reduces him to a snooty black guy who has to be brought down, who's, who's so naive, he doesn't know, don't take a wad of money out in a bar, yeah. you know, for the, the white guy can save him. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah, there is that scene where he takes the money Nobody out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it does, look at this movie, it makes no sense, but... I've been places and overheard conversations and heard, I would say, white people saying, you know, I saw a green book. That was pretty good. Yeah. And I go, wow, what an insult. Well, anyway. It was, now I'm going to tell you this. When I saw that movie, it, there were like four movies that were the uh, green book. I always want to call it green room. But I always have to check myself. Uh, Kendra's already corrected me twice, though. It's Green Book. Actually, there are two green rooms. There's one that's really great. It's like a horror suspense movie. Uh, came out about three years ago. I didn't see that. That's why I'm thinking Green Room. It's called Green Room. Yeah. And then there's Francois Truffaut's Green Room. Oh. <laughs> I love when you do your French uh, uh, pronunciation. But you're right. Okay. Anyway, Green Book. Green Book. Um, uh, the, the Green Book was like a combination of my cousin Vinny. It doesn't even deal with the Green Book. Well, it, it alludes the Green Book, is, it, of course, it, is this book that's colored green that would tell black motorists in the early 60s, late 50s. Well, what before then. Before then. Okay, into the 40s. What hotels or what restaurants in towns in the South would allow them to, 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 to enter? To, right, yeah. to be patrons yeah. of, right? Yeah. Uh, because you make the wrong decision, you know, they're handing your, your head back on a platter. Yeah. Um, it's alluded to in the movie and it's forgotten. And I go, well, why are you call it the Green Book? It just been, should have been called Don and Tony. All right, now let me ask you this. So anyway, so it's a combination of all these different movies. It sort of invokes, like I said, uh, My Cousin Vinny, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. There's an element yeah, of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner uh, in this movie. Uh, uh, and Driving Miss Daisy is the obvious one. Well, except or, the, you know, the, the legend of Bagger Vance. You know, yeah. all these magical Negro movies yeah. where the black character. Well, this is more the magical white guy. No, there's no. nothing magical about uh, Marshall Ali's character. He doesn't trans. Well, he does write the letters for. Uh, yeah, but, right. He helped. Right. He writes the letters. Yeah. Right. And he makes Tony a better person. Yeah. Right. Because remember, in the beginning of the movie, he's so racist that when he takes the glasses, <laughs> yes, that does, two right, black guys. Right. Have, right, right? Yeah. So at the end of the movie, he's walking him into his house. He's, he's my family. <laughs> he's a changed guy. Yeah. But so is Marshall Ali. They both change each other. So, you know, it's a blessed movie in that respect. Uh, look. Yeah, the snooty black guy was taught, don't be so snooty. You're not better than us. Yeah, and not only that, well, all right, we don't want to give the movie away. People might want to watch the movie. Uh, but uh, I encourage you not to. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I think you will agree with me that um, the, the uh, Academy did no service to anybody involved with Green Book, with Green Book by giving it the best picture. And that is the ultimate irony here we're talking about because it just opened it up to so much criticism that it wouldn't otherwise 
have received. And Marshall Ali, I actually felt sorry for him when I saw him on stage. I mean, he won I started to feel sorry for the guy who won the Best Supporting Actor. He wasn't actor. that happy. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't that happy, and he has apologized to the, to the family. The family, the Shirley family's upset because they, first, there's one scene in the, in the movie where he talks about, I have a brother and I haven't seen him in years, which is not true. He came from a large family. They're all in touch with each other. He was not arrested in the South picking up a white guy, and he had to go bail him out. All this stuff that's totally... The only similarity between reality and the movie is that the guy was named Don Shirley, and he played music. <laughs> that's about it. Well, I think they got the name, the correct name of the uh, driver, but whatever. Anyway, uh, the only reality in regards to Don Shirley. All right. Uh, do you and I should say, there is a documentary that's been in the works mm -hmm. about Don Shirley, which is called Let It Shine. Uh, is in the works. Hopefully, it should be completed by this summer. I've been in touch with a filmmaker. Something we may possibly show up like Harvest this year. This August. This August. Right. All right. He's revealing that much anyway. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> when the award was announced, uh, Spike Lee erupted a bit. He threw his hands in the air. Actually, he tried to walk out. He tried to walk out. Now, can I tell you a true story? Go. Uh, the cable was out in my house. I was watching it online. Okay. Okay. And you got to pay that bill every now and then. Yeah, once in a while. Okay, go ahead. So I was uh, <laughs> I was in communication with a friend of mine in London. All right. And evidently, they, they got it. They were watching it 20 minutes earlier before we were watching it there. Got it. So, and so I got a message from her. She went, damn, Green Book won Best Picture. What? <laughs> this was still 20 minutes oh, before yeah. we saw it here. Right, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were hoping that there was a malfunction like a couple years ago when they gave it to, what was the movie? La La? No, they gave it to La La Land. It, was, it uh, should have been uh, Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah. Uh, you were hoping for that. Sergio Mims is my guest. Black Harvest Film Festival. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question, you can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show.
Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben Jarofsky here. We are indeed live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Sergio Min's Black Harvest Film Festival is my guest. We're talking about the Oscars. Uh, Dr. D, you got an update for me? Absolutely, I do. The countdown to the Chicago mayoral runoff election is on. It's Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle going one-on-one with Prosecutor Lori Lightfoot. And for those wondering exactly how long we have until the election, well, I'll tell you, we are now 31 days, 8 hours, 25 minutes, and 43 <laughs> seconds. 42, 41, 40, away from the Chicago mayoral election. That's yeah, a website. Oh, okay. Just go to Countdown Timer. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah, that's all you got to do. All right. But, uh, yeah, that's how long. Once again, 31 days, 8 like hours. like a genius. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Went to community college. 31 days, 8 hours, 25 minutes, and 24 seconds. 23. 22, 21. But we've been receiving quite a few comments regarding the election on both our Facebook and Twitter pages. Mm -hmm. So let's hear from the people. And people, feel free to reach out to us online. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. And be like Mary. Mary took to our Facebook page, and she left us a comment here on the runoff election. Mary says, I don't see a lot of difference between Preckwinkle and Lightfoot. The one issue that could sway me is who will Preckwinkle appoint to the head of the Cook County Board? Well, I don't uh, know if Tony Preckwinkle appoints the person, or literally appoints the person that will replace her. I think the board itself uh, votes on that. But it's a very good question because obviously she's trans. If she were to win. Uh, you mean as, as um, if. On, you mean who replaces as president? Yes, I presume that's. I think it's daily. It's the other daily brother. No, I don't think it's automatic. Uh, at least we got to get the rule book. My memory of this is that the commissioners themselves uh, decide who replaces, and I think there then would be an election uh, to replace uh, her on a permanent basis. This is my memory of it. It's been a while. So I don't think she herself has the ability, the authority uh, to replace person. But it is an important question. You know, we, you're, you're, it's a very significant uh, position, president of the Cook County Board, oversees uh, – Lots of important operations, like our whole judicial system here in Cook County and the, and the hospital, a lot of law enforcement stuff. So it's a very important position. And um, the voters just elected Tony Preckwinkle, reelected her in November. It sounds She's, awfully familiar to uh, the Susanna Mendoza Susanna effect. Susanna Mendoza effect. She's state controller. They elected her in November. She ran uh, right. for mayor. See what happens when Rom steps down all of a sudden? You know, I will tell you this. I think that the the... Um, the results of the election, mm -hmm. the biggest thing was the Burke thing. When that Burke 
criminal, it's not an indictment, but he was criminally charged. Mm -hmm. When that came down, I think that helped Lightfoot enormously mm -hmm. because all these other candidates, most of who got in after Ron left, were all tainted by Burke. Mm -hmm. Pretwinkle was, Chico was, Mendoza was married in this house. And I think what happened was voters said, okay, we've had enough. And then Danny Solis didn't help. Danny Solis, Alderman Danny Solis, who's wearing the wire. Right. Uh, and I think <laughs> people said, okay, enough of this corruption. We got to find somebody, mm -hmm. somebody out there who's not tainted by all this, which uh, helped Lightfoot enormously. Mm -hmm. She still came in number one in the number of votes. Yeah. Uh, I was wrong. Remember, I predicted, I, was, I saw it was going to be daily in Lightfoot. But I and I thought they would just edge out Pretwinkle. Yeah. But you know, Pretwinkle hung up. All right, now let me ask you this. Uh your father was a police officer, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And uh one of the first things that uh Pretwinkle supporters uh said have been saying to me to try to convince me to vote for Pretwinkle over Lightfoot is Lori Lightfoot is a cop. Lori Lightfoot is a cop. And when they say that, um, they're alluding to the fact she's not literally, she's never was a police officer, but that she used to be a federal prosecutor. And so effectively, it's all sort of in the law enforcement family. So therefore, she right. is a cop, like a cop sort of as a metaphorical figure as opposed to a literal cop. Uh, in your humble opinion, do you think that is an effective uh, nickname or tool, what have you, weapon to use against her uh, if you want to pick up votes in the city of Chicago? No, I don't think so. I, I What fascinates me is that neither Tony nor T Lori won any majority black ward mm -hmm. in the city, in the south or west side. Yeah. They didn't. It was Willie Wilson. And I have a theory on that. What is that theory? I think Willie Wilson appeals to the working class, the black working class. I think they look at him and they said, he's like me. Um, you know, he's a guy who came up from, um, he's from the south. Uh, he worked hard. He didn't go to college, but people still laugh at him. Uh, they attack him. They make, make fun of him, but he's like me. He reflects me, you know, and it doesn't help <laughs> giving out money. You know, that doesn't, that <laughs> doesn't, doesn't hurt. hurt at all. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. Giving out money. Yeah. I keep saying, how can I find out where he's going to be before he gives <laughs> out money so I can be there? Oh, you too? Yeah. Cause I can say. I always, I always read about it after it happens. Yeah. And I said, damn, yeah. I could have gotten $10,000. <laughs> I don't think he's ever given anyone $10,000, has he? But whatever, $100 here. for everything. Yeah. $100 here. I'll take 100 Yeah. You know. Um, but, uh, and, and I, they, Pretwinkle and Lightfoot may seem, may both U of C, U of C graduates. Both of them are University of Chicago graduates. I forgot that about Tony Preckwinkle. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that about Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think they look at him as perhaps too representing the more bourgeois family. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the, not family, but side of yeah. the city. Right. Um, you're going to have him on the show next week, I think. Yes. You know, yes. Willie Wilson. Yeah, Willie Wilson. Right? Yep. And, you know, he came in fourth, which doesn't surprise me. He has a following out there. Yes. He has um, supporters out there. Um, I, I, I wouldn't dismiss him at all. Well, Willie Wilson said this, uh, I think it was the last time he was on my show. 
and he was addressing the issue that you just raised that uh, people uh, denigrate him for the, his accent. Uh, and he, I think I'm paraphrasing what he said. People don't think I'm smart, and I always tell them, yeah. if I'm, if I, if you're so smart and I'm not smart, how come you sign the back of your paychecks and I sign the front of mine? And uh-huh. it's like, think about that for a moment. He owns the company. He writes the check. It took me a while. I had to think about that. And then I, was like, I, the light went on, you know. And he, in other words, he's a successful business person. Uh, he runs businesses. He employs people. You know, show him some respect. That was his attitude. And if you've seen him in the debates, he's actually very engaging. And that one Channel Eleven debate, mm-hmm. when they were asked, "If you don't make the runoff, who would you support?" And some people said that person. Some people, but this person. Wilson said, I would change my name and run again. <laughs> and I said, that's, this guy, <laughs> this guy has got something. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think Lori Lightfoot, uh, Lori and Tony, as you would say, Lori and Tony, Lori and Tony should do uh, to win over Willie Wilson's voters? What should they say? How, they sh- how, what, how, they sh- how should they You know, uh, I told them? someone this morning, mm-hmm. this is a rare election. Because this is the first election I can think of where white people are going to decide who wins. Because I think the black vote, this is my prediction, is going to be split Yeah. Between, between Tony and Lori. Yeah. I think it's going to be split. I've heard people who support Tony and don't like Lori. And I've heard the opposite, vice versa. They like Lori, they don't like Tony. I have one friend, cannot stand Tony because of what she did. The high part, yeah. here we go again, yeah, we turn go. into the north side. And believe me, I know that. Uh, Sergio Mims, ladies and gentlemen, is a lifelong resident of Hyde Park and has a, um, how do I put this? A bug Serv- of his. Uh, yeah, about the north side of Chicago. Uh, With a little dog full of the water <laughs> on, outside the stores. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Some about stores would put the water out for the dogs. <laughs> you know, by the way, there are plenty of places on the south side where they put the water out for dogs too. You know, show me one. <laughs> Just show me one. All right, we'll have to go on a field trip. Uh, so, are, are, do you? Uh, so, what's your sense? Uh, the Willie Wilson voters are they going to go to Tony or Lori? You think That's it's just going to be split right down the That's middle? Why split. That's why white people are going to white people are pretty split too. What are the white people going to do? Think about well, this. Well, here's the thing. I think, <laughs> I think Lori has the edge. I think she has the edge. With the white people, or with in well, particularly in in uh, uh, Lakefront. Okay. Well, she already won the Lakefront. She's got to win the Lakefront. She's win but the about lakefront. the northwest and the southwest side? And here's the other okay, thing. Go ahead. I don't know. Um, in a way, uh-huh. I compare it to. To Harold Washington, only in the sense, in the sense, please, in the sense, okay, that when Harold ran, yeah, the black community, mm-hmm. with, we were so infused, we were so excited, we gave it our all, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the same for Lori, because we wanted to see a a a uh, black man finally be mayor of Chicago, yeah, a black person, yeah, and I think that may be going on in the gay community. I think that that's she's. I think she's going to get so much money and so much support because I think a lot of people are saying it's about time we had an openly gay 
person as mayor of Chicago. All right. Well, I am not going to make you make a prediction right now. You'll be on the show before uh, April uh, you know 2nd. What? I'll so. make a prediction. Uh-oh, here we go. I wasn't going to make one. He's going to no. do one anyway. Who's going to win? Yeah, who's going to win? I, I think Lightfoot's going to pull it off. Folks, put your money down in Vegas. Sergio Mims has spoken. <laughs> I, I think it'll be, be close. Yeah. And, you think the I, white people on the northwest, southwest side of Chicago are going to go for Lori Lightfoot? You think that cop argument no, 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 is going to no. work for them? Maybe no, that'll no, no. work for them. No, no. The, the, I think she can pull enough votes in the south side and particularly the, that lakefront area mm-hmm. and other sections of the north side. I think she can pull it off. I'm not talking about the northwest side. I'm not talking about the southwest side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I... I'm straining to see where Tony's support is going to come from. Yeah, in the north side, I I don't see it. I I can't imagine the lakefront going for Tony. Yeah, you know what? I got to tell you this, uh, Sergio. Uh, after Harold Washington died, in uh, Eugene uh, Sawyer replaced him. We uh, of course daily defeated Sawyer, and that ushered in the age of all powerful white mayors. Uh, from uh, Daly to Rahm Emanuel, and all the black activists I know were just like, you know, when are we ever going to get another black mayor? When are we going to get a black mayor? And now it's guaranteed that there's going to be another black mayor. It's like feast or famine in this city. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm telling yeah. you? It was like 30 years without even a potential, and now there's definitely going to be one. All oh, it's raining all of a sudden. So a good positive rain. You're predicting, uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, it is too early for me to make a prediction prediction when we come back we're going to finally get we're going to finally get to the discussion i've been wanting to talk about all day lynn patton Patton. we'll be right back okay if you would like to advertise with the ben jarofsky show and who wouldn't contact tracy bame at publisher at chicagoreadercorp.com we have several advertising options for your business or organization And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at Publisher at Chicago Reader Corp. That's C-O-R-P as in Paul dot com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. 
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky. Man, take us to the weekend. Uh, okay, I like that. Where'd you get that one? That's the library. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was someone playing an electric piano. <laughs> For some reason we have here in the studio, Sergio will be doing his version of You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman at any moment now uh, <laughs> on the piano. Uh, all right, uh, Sergio, I've been dying to talk about... Um, uh, the Lynn Patton situation, this thing just blew my mind when I saw it Wednesday. I was on the air. I missed it live. I saw it in the replay. Of course, uh, it was during the Michael Cohen uh, hearing, and Michael Cohen called Trump a racist, and Mark Meadows, the congressman from South, or excuse me, North Carolina, knew that was coming because it was part of the prepared text. So he had an employee of uh, Donald Trump who's a former employee of the Trump family. A party planner. Yeah, she's a, okay. She's she a party. Was. Yeah, she was. She was. That's nothing wrong with it. That's what she did. And now she's an official with HUD, apparently, mm -hmm. in the Trump universe. That's how seriously he takes the whole issue of affordable housing, et cetera. Anyway, uh, and she stood and she rose, a black woman, and stood and rose, as uh, Mark Meadows said. This woman's uh, friendship with Donald Trump and her employment by Trump. Here's my African American. <laughs> is right. living proof that he is not a racist. <laughs> yeah, right. As I as I tweeted, as I tweeted, yes. you know, not people didn't know this, but mm -hmm. she couldn't stay at the hearing for long because she had to return her hair to winter weave. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and actions yeah, of Sergio yeah. Mims do not reflect those of the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> ah, there we go. I missed that. <laughs> I was waiting for yeah, it. Yeah, was, he knew it was going to be said sooner or later. I missed that. Uh, I sorry. Um, so you did you see this in real time or did you yes, see it? Yes, I did. I happened to have <laughs> seen it in real time. Yeah. And then I also happened to see the response by Talib. Right. Okay, that would the be the very, congresswoman very uh Rashida Talib from uh, Michigan. Michigan, yes. Right. Who immediately said or I don't know if it was immediately, but very no, no, soon. No, it was after, at the end. It was, it was at, at the end. Said that this was a racist act to have And then a, Mark Meadows blew his cork. Yeah. The same guy who's a birther. Yes. The same guy, there are many videos of him saying that we all just sent Obama back to Kenya. Or wherever he's from. That was the line he, he used, right? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Which was, I would say, a racist. Which he has not apologized for. No, I think he said he did apologize for oh, it. Oh, yes. He yeah. Has, he, supposedly. Yeah. We, we, but the point is, is like, he said, oh, that was in the past. I apologize for it. You know what I mean? So, like, it's all over. Well, you, you don't have to be held accountable for it anymore. Okay, going back to Patton, what... Everybody's talking about Mark Meadows and what mm -hmm. he did. I would like to know, why did Patton do that? Why would she agree to do that? What do you think? Let's face it. There are some black people who are lost. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> They're lost. Yeah. You know, she... Um, I was brought into the Trump organization. She now works at HUD. Mm -hmm. And there's some people, black people, who unfortunately have not uh, are not sufficiently woke. How can I say it? That's it. You know, look at uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Look at Van Jones. You saw what he did the other day. You know, CPAC right mm -hmm. now. They're yeah. doing the big conference. He's up there grinning and cheesing with these conservatives talking about the good things that Trump has done. I said, Wait a minute. When did this guy? turn into this Trump defender. Wasn't he supposed to be this radical? The same guy who was fired from Obama's mm -hmm. White House because he was considered too radical, now he's cheesing and grinning with conservatives and praising Trump? What happened to him? You know, I don't want to drink the water he's drinking. Not this water here. 
<laughs> this good sometimes this water. This good sometimes water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, isn't it possible that there's just a difference of opinion that uh, a black person could like what Donald Trump is doing without being a sellout? No. <laughs> okay. Well, I asked the question. Uh, I gave you the answer. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any opinions on this? Oh, are you important? Talking to Kendra right Kendra here. Kendra here, yeah. I, mean, I agree with the whole some black people are lost thing. But um yeah, Van Jones, he really he really switched teams on us. I guess he sought money or something. I don't know what it was. I'm momentarily blanking on the name of the last black woman who was always used as friend of Trump. Um, it's uh, age. The celebrity uh, apprentice. Yes. Woman. No, Amarosa. Um, Amarosa, yeah. who came out uh, with a. She, she saw the light. Amarosa no, did. Uh, Amarosa has always been for Amarosa. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, she changed. I'm not. You know. I'm not saying she's well, pure. She wrote a book denouncing Trump as a racist uh, and made some money on it. It's, mm-hmm. It was very popular. She's denounced uh, Lynn Patton for standing out. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, I didn't see that. But there's always. You know, there's always some black person that is willing to stand up. There's more than one. Remember they filled a room? There was always that one slave who told Massa about the slave (laughs) revolt that was being planned. Right. There's Um, always one. One more time, the views expressed. (laughs) The views and actions of Sergio Mims do not reflect those of the Ben Jarowski show. Uh, So anyway, uh, did you think Mark Meadows was uh, legitimately hurt and those were real tears that were sort of forming in his eyes or do you think those were crocodile tears, Sergio Mims? I'm the latter. <laughs> Pretty much crocodile tears. How dare you? I have grandchildren who are children of color. Yeah. You know? What does that mean? <laughs> I know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, he's clueless. Okay, fine. I still don't understand why Patton has basically... Well, well, she's I, an employee of Trump. Yeah, but would you stick up and say, you know what? I can't do this. I can't do this. And she didn't even speak. Just had her stand up and then, okay, girl, sit down. Right? That was it. Yeah. And tell me, don't you have any dignity? No, how, how'd you Where's th- your dignity? Yeah. How'd you think uh, Chairman Elijah Cummings handled the whole thing? You know, well, he was again. He's the chairman of the committee that was holding the hearings, and then when the you know, dis- I, I was impressed with him, mm-hmm. but I I didn't like when at the end he tried to say, "Well, you know, I know Mark, and he's my friend," and and like, oh come on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not. You know, it's it's like um, I oh. At the Oscars, uh-huh. they had John Lewis yes, introduce Green Book. That is correct. John Lewis, congressman from Georgia. And I went, Georgia. oh, mm-hmm. come on, really? Mm-hmm. And then I said as a joke, I, I said, you know, did he talk about how he marched with King? <laughs> did John Lewis do that? Mm-hmm. He's been coasting in that for 60 years. Oh, now you know stop I John Lewis here. You know, and right, and yeah. somebody, somebody tweeted me, you're being disrespectful. Yeah. I disrespect everybody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You've been coasting on that for 50 years, and now you're going to introduce Green Book, which is a travesty. It is a travesty. And then uh, and then I, I got to respect because he marched with King. No, I'm sorry. All right. Now, wait, Sergio, uh, you're giving me a perfect transition to what I want to I'm sorry. Now you, you cut me loose. I'm yeah. loose now. I'm no, no, that's crazy. all right. That's okay. You cut you loose uh, as we're heading down the wire, uh, and I want to go back to the Oscars for a moment. 
uh, and leave uh, the travesty. I, I agree it was a travesty. The notion that you could reduce Donald Trump's policies and attitudes toward race in this country to the silent testimony of one employee of his, okay, that somehow or other her standing up would have a reduce, eliminate everything Donald Trump has said and done about race in this country is a travesty. I agree with you 100% on that one. All right. In your humble opinion, we're going to ask Kendra as well because she is studying film at Columbia. Uh, and thank you very much, Kendra, for doing a great thank job you. today, sitting in for miles. Um, in your humble opinion, what movie should have won Best Picture uh, at the Oscars? Roma. Roma is, is extraordinary. It's just absolutely extraordinary. My, I thought it was going to win. I'm happy it won Best Cinematography, Best Director, um, Best Foreign Film. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been a nice cap to have it win Best Picture, but I, that film blew me away. I've seen it three times. On the big screen, not on Netflix. Yeah. You should see that film on the big screen. If you're, yeah, I, I've only, I've seen it twice on Netflix. I've only seen it on the boob tube on my little TV, and uh, I really do want to see it. I just missed it when it came. I was at the music box. I want to see. Yeah, the music box brought seventy millimeter print of the movie, yeah. and I, that's what that's the second time I saw it. I okay. saw it right there, and it's. it's I, I think that it lost in part because of that. I think it lost in part because Hollywood was sending a message to Netflix. Oh, that's been said. Yeah. That's been said. Okay. Right. Well, you know, other people agree with me. Uh, do you think that played a role in it not winning, or do you think it was I just? Th- I think it somewhat did. Mm-hmm. There's still people saying, "Wait a minute, Netflix, hold on." Netflix is spending a lot of money. You better enjoy it because it's probably going to be out of business in three years. The money they're spending and they're not making that money back. Oh, I hope that's not the case. Well, I, big prediction from Sergio Mendes. <laughs> I, no. I still get the discs from no. Netflix. Don't don't talk to me. Talk. Read Forbes magazine. Yeah. It's an interesting article. All right, Kendra, who, which movie do you think, if you were a voter, who would you have voted for for Best Picture? Um, I was a big A Star is Born fan. I love that movie. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, they won what they should have won, which was Best Original Song, but that was a great film. There's, there's a theory why that film died out was because the jealousy factor. Have you heard mm. about this? No. Uh, Brad, Bradley Cooper voted saying that the guy's too lucky. He was just this guy who was doing hangover movies. Now he's Orson Welles. Yeah. You know, forget so, it. So you would have given it to A Star is Born. Yeah, and I know they snubbed him too for... Best director. Best director. Which yeah. I think he should have gotten a nomination for that too. I agree. It should have been Roma, but because it was Netflix, it was punished. And I feel they should have given it to Black Klansman if they're not going to give it to Roma, just to give Spike Lee the pick, what he should have won in 1989 when uh, Do the Right Thing came out. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're out of time. Sergio Mims, thank you so much. He is the co founder of the Black Harvest Film Festival. And this Renaissance man talks about movies, culture, politics. And again, the views expressed by Sergio Mims are those of Sergio Mims, <laughs> not necessarily that of Ben Jarowski's show. Kendra, great job. Thank you very much for sitting in for Miles. Also want to thank uh, Romana Hussein. What do we call it, D? Uh, the Romana Rundown. 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 The Romana Rundown at the 130 hour. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, wheeling and dealing behind the control panel. The man we call Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend. See you Tuesday, everybody.